Good morning. I bring you greetings in the Savior's name. It, up until just a, an hour or two ago, the Bethany congregation was, was one that we had just heard about. And so we're, it's good to be here. It's good to, it's good to see you all. We learned a little bit. Uh, we learned a little bit about it some time back. Douglas had mentioned he was interested in heading this direction, and so obviously he did. And so we are we are definitely blessing them in that as well. We're we're uh, we feel like God is is uh, has been directing these young people. We. And I don't know what you, what you all do in your normal Sunday Sunday morning times, but one of the one of the things that the the early church always did was they gave time for testimonies. So I'd like to give. Is, is, is there something that maybe happened this week to you that you'd like to just bless the Lord? And I, I'd like to just give a few minutes for that. If there's if there's something that you'd like to share, I think it's always good for us to encourage one another that's part of that's part of the reason we get together that's that's what makes that's what makes the fellowship of the saints so special and it doesn't need to just be words coming from from up here um what what is maybe there's something that you'd love to share today's valentine's day and that's a day that's dedicated by somebody somebody chose that february the 14th was going to be the day we're going to talk about love the love that's mentioned in the world doesn't hold a candle to that. You know, there's, there is no better form of love than what Christ did for us. We have so much to be thankful for. Well, thank you for that. If you will, for a text, let's turn to Matthew 14. I'd like to look at a, a really familiar story. It's, it's one that, I, you know, I, I can remember. I, I grew up in, the, in, in our home. We had... Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories. Uh, how, how many of you would have remembered the old blue books? Okay, they had the okay. So that's that's pretty common. Well, I remember the picture. I can still see the picture in my mind of this story, and so it's it's one that we've 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 probably all gotten uh, from a very young age. But there's some things in here that I, I looked at it with some maybe some fresh viewpoint, and I, I'd like to I'd like to just share this morning some of the things that I feel the, the, the Lord shared with me. So if you will, let's turn to Matthew 14, and, and I'd like to start reading it, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou... Bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and 
caught him and said, said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Let's pray. Our kind Father, we thank you for this portion of Scripture that you've given us. And Lord, for the opportunity to look at it this morning. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us. Pray that you would guide uh, my words. Lord, I pray that it would be, nothing would be said that would dishonor you or would be unpleasing to you. Lord, guide our steps. Just bless our time for the next few moments. Lord, help us to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The setting of this story, and it's, in, it's interesting, it's, it's in actually in, mentioned in three Gospels in some various form or another. But the setting of this story is immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. And, it, and it, I find it really fascinating. You know, the, the uh, opportunities that we have to have maybe spiritual victories, sometimes after that comes a time of maybe maybe some intense opportunity for discouragement. I don't believe this situation was, was any different than that. But the interesting part about this setting was after Jesus had fed the 5,000, there was a lot of honor and glory that was coming their way. Now, just picture with me the 12 disciples. They were a part of this. They were the cabinet. They were the, they were the men who were with Jesus. And, and I can just imagine... They were feeling pretty good about life. And, and they, were, they, were, they were seeing the opportunity. This, this looked good. It felt, it felt like a great opportunity. The, the multitudes were so impressed. They were so blessed with the, the ability to get, to get bread and, 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 and food that they actually wanted to start an uprising. They actually wanted to proclaim Jesus as king and, and make him the, their, their leader. It says, um, and we actually get this from John, the, the portion in John, in, uh, chapter 6, verse 15. It says, Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king. He departed again into a mountain himself alone. So we have, that's the setting of this, this story. And we can start to understand what, what is happening and so it says in verse 22, it says, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him and to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. This word constrained is not a word that we often use. But if I... That, well, I'll just, for, for example, the New King James says Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Okay? So that's not something that I probably could say that I had caught before. That actually Jesus forced them to get into the boat. So if I constrain, if I constrain someone to do something, it, it actually, they're forced. They did not have a choice. The disciples... Jesus said, I don't want you getting caught up in the moment. I don't want you starting to think that you're something when you're not. And so he forced them to get into the boat. He 
probably, now this is my version, I think he probably forced them in the boat and he pushed them out. to just go away. And then he did, he went and did the, what he loved to do. He, he went up into the mountain and it says he, he went to pray and, and have fellowship with his father. And so he, he pushed them out and said, I'll meet you over on the other side. Now, where the feeding of the 5,000 took place was Bethsaida, and they were, as I understand it, they were going to go to Capernaum, uh, about four, uh, four to six mile journey. And for fishermen, this was not a big deal. Uh, men who were raised on the water had always been in, in boats. Four to six miles was pretty easy trek. So they, they headed out. But the weather, the weather had other plans. And this, this, is, all, this is part of what we know. The, the sea became rough. The wind turned fierce and pushed, pushed them around, turned them around, and, and they, were, they were struggling. They were experiencing a bad storm. And you know, I like to draw personal applications to the scripture. So I like to insert myself in that, in that story. How would, and, and so I'm going to ask you, how would you feel if you were the disciples? You were pushed out, told to, to get away, and now you're in the middle of a storm. What's, what's just one word? What's a thought that comes to your, comes to your mind? Abandoned? Okay, good. I would imagine, just inserting myself in here, if the Gospel of Matthew wouldn't have been written about, I don't know, 30 or 40 years after this actually took place, the wording might be a little stronger. So if I, if I, was, if I was the disciples, and I, and I was Matthew, for instance, and I was, had just experienced the feeding of the 5,000 and all the good you know, what do they say, endorphins, that, that, that would have come with that, I would have felt so, and, and, and then I'm told that just, just go away, get, get away from here and, and have be pushed out by my, my master, forced to get into the boat and leave, you know, I'd have probably written something a little stronger than constrained. I'd, I'd have felt upset. I'd have felt like, no one loves me. Everybody hates me. That's the way, that's the way that, it, that it would have been. They, they could have very well thought Jesus actually pushed them into danger. He pushed them into the storm. He knew it was going to happen. They, I'm sure they did. You know, but think about it. They're Jesus' followers They've just experienced a grand and glorious miracle, and now they're in trouble. You know, I think this, this story all by itself defeats the health and wealth and prosperity gospel. God's people are going to experience trouble, and God's people are going to experience storms. And I think it's very safe to say that a storm that... that, that took place that started about a year ago from now is one that we're all trying to figure out a way to weather it. Y'all with me? You know what, you know what I'm talking about. We're trying, to, we're trying to figure out 
away. And, but Jesus' disciples were in the storm, and they felt alone. Jesus, and, and they could easily have felt that Jesus pushed them into danger. And so I think it, we can get from this, just from this story, the fact that following Jesus doesn't remove pain. It doesn't remove suffering. It doesn't remove heartaches. It doesn't remove tears. It doesn't even remove the coronavirus. Following Jesus is something that is deeper than this. We go through storms for a purpose. We, we go through difficulties in life for a purpose. But in the middle of the storm, the disciples were scared. They didn't know what to do. The fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them. Here again, this is something, <laughs> you know, I don't know how I would have felt if I was the disciples and I was in their shoes. Adam Clark says the fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. This is what Mark, the Gospel of Mark, says about this. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. Okay? So Jesus pushed them out. Sometime at the end of the day, after feeding the 5,000 people, they've been toiling all night. It's now somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. Picture this with me. If it gets dark at 8 or 9, they've been, they've been there at least five or six hours, toiling, rowing, in a storm, and they're not really sure if they're going to make it. Jesus, it says, Jesus came out in the fourth watch of the night, and very clearly, it says he was, would have passed by them. And I, I did a Greek word study on this, and it actually, that's, that's what it says. It indicates he was going to walk right on by. Fascinating. Put yourself in their shoes. I, 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 I did that, and it's like, How? How could this be? One version of the Bible says he was intending to pass them. He saw them laboring. He knew they were in trouble, but he was going to pass on by. A really important point. He needed to hear from them. Is it possible that in our storms that God is going to pass on by? If he doesn't hear from us, he wants, he wants to hear. A man, uh, I heard this quote by the name of Stephen Furtick. He made this observation. What you believe to be true is proven by what you trust in when you are in need. You can honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from him. The brother shared about having so much and, and being blessed with so much. You know what? I believe, sometimes I think it's actually not a blessing when we, have, when we have so much that we can just rely on our own resources to get out of trouble. What you believe to be true is proven by what you trust in when you are in need. You can honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from him. You know, 
And I think this is, this is a fair point of reference. When we talk about the invisible sickness that's walking through the world today, we're in a storm, but who do we trust? Do we trust the government? Do we trust the medical profession? Do we trust our methods of social distancing? Or do we go to the source of power and strength? Is Jesus intending to pass us by? When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out in fear. Here again, I did, we, uh, I did a word study. The Greek word is phantasma. What we get the English word phantom. The disciples thought there was a phantom walking on the, on the ocean, or on the sea, on the Sea of Galilee there. <laughs> Put yourself in their shoes. <laughs> they've, been, they've been rowing and toiling for five, six, seven hours. Tired beyond belief. Not sure if they're going to make it. Just this really rough storm that's just not letting up. And now they have a ghost bearing down on them. I mean, it's, I have to almost laugh. I mean, I mean it's, 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 it's not funny, but it is. You know, it's like this is, this is difficult, and it's only getting worse. They cried out in fear. We can get a lot of comfort from this. Jesus, Jesus was walking by, and they cried out. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't even say that they had a holy prayer. It doesn't even say that they were, that they were you know, very spiritual in what they did. And Jesus stopped. They cried out. They cried out, and he stopped. Jesus said unto them, this is where the story gets really good, and this is where, where I like. I, I really like this. Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Jesus wants to speak into our storm, and he say, and he wants to say, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Imagine now, we've, we've, we've got the setting, we've got the disciples in this, in this boat that's, that's on the ocean, rocking it. They've seen this ghost, and then they hear the voice of the one person that they trust, really trust in all the world. He said, it's I, be not afraid. Just imagine the relief. Okay, just, it, it, the nothing's changed. The storm is still happening. The, st the, the waves are still high. The boat is taking on water, but they hear the voice. And I just love Peter's response. Peter, I, I think, I, I just identify with Peter. That's, that's, that's all I can say. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. A little four-letter word, C-O-M-E, come. Now, I can't really say that I would identify with Peter in this story because I don't think that's the first thing I would say. I think if I knew it was my, my, my Lord and Master, 
I think I'd want the storm to stop first. I'd want things to quiet down a little bit. And, and, and I'd want him to, to be, you know, a lot calmer. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. You know, <laughs> this, this, is, this, is, this is really fascinating. Peter's in the midst of a storm having lots of trouble, and he wants to get more in the middle of it. I mean, does, does, that make, does that make sense? How, I mean, how do you just, just put yourself in his shoes? He's, he wants to get more in the middle of it. Jesus said, come. Peter, gave the, Peter had, Lord said, if it's you, ask me to, you know, tell me to come. And, and, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He, he, Peter got his command. He jumped out of the boat, and he went to Jesus. Now, it says in Scripture, it says, When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now, that's often, the time, that's often where we put our attention, is Peter took his eyes off Christ, and he sank. And, you know, Peter, he just didn't keep his focus where it needed to be. You know, and it's true, Peter didn't start to sink until he looked at his surroundings. He really, he, he didn't, as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he was going to walk. He was going to stay, he was doing, doing what no other man had ever done before. He was walking on top of the water. But he took his eyes off of Christ, and he started to sink. But think about this. Where was Peter? Where were the rest of the disciples? The other 11 people were still back in the boat, sort of playing it safe. They weren't really that safe, but they were safer than what Peter was. I think I want to be like Peter. Lord, show me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. Just give me the word, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to do it. I don't care if the storm persists. I don't care if the storm's around me. Whatever it is, I want to be close to you. And, I, and really and truly, that's what we need to look at. Peter wanted to be close to his Lord and Master. He wanted to be next to the person he trusted and loved. It says, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said, Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now, another word study here that, that I did that, that was kind of fascinating is that he said, O thou of little faith. We need to make a difference between thou of little faith and thou of no faith. The, the word, and this is a little bit hard to pronounce, in this passage is oligopistos. Okay? Over in the, the previous chapter, in Matthew 13, it talks about he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. That word there is apostia, which means actually faithlessness. This is not the word Jesus used to Peter. He said, O thou of little faith. You know, when you look at Peter's response, you can't say that he had no faith. He jumped out of the boat. He, he got into the middle of the storm, into the middle of the middle of the storm. You know, the problem with Peter's faith is that it stopped. He was, he was it, it started well, but it stopped. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say Peter knew that humans are not supposed to walk on the water. 
I'm, pre- I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. He knew that that wasn't supposed to happen, but he also knew that he was going to try to be next to his master. He wanted to be beside the person that he loved, and he was going to have to try. And out in the storm was where his Lord and master was, out there in the middle of the, out the, out there in the, middle of the storm. You know, get the picture. Jesus reached down and he pulled Peter up. Peter's now exactly where he wants to be. I'm sure they walked arm in arm. And it says the storm was still raging. The waves were still high. I don't, I'm not sure what Jesus was, was trying to teach here. But you know what? I don't think Peter noticed them at all on the way back. He was next to his Lord and Master. He was next to the person that he loved. He was with Jesus, his beloved Master, in the middle of the storm. I don't know. I, I want to just impress. I, I want to impress on myself, and I want to impress on each of you that in the middle of the storm, next to Jesus is where we want to be. There is no safer place in the whole world. They walked back to the boat together. And it says this, Scripture is very clear, when they got back to the boat, stepped inside, the storm stopped. It says the wind ceased. And then it says this, They that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. This is the first time these words had come out of their mouth. Thou art the Son of God. What would have happened if Peter would not have got away from his place of sort of shaky safety? What if Peter had just played it safe like the rest of the disciples and stayed in the bottom of the boat? I had the opportunity this past this past year, we went um, whitewater rafting. And when you get into a really tough spot, the, the, the guide says, get in the bottom of the boat. You know, you, you, so you, you stay, you, you, and I'm sure that's where the disciples were. They were in the bottom. They were, they were down as far as they could get. Peter, what would this story have been if Peter would not have faced his fear? I think one of the main takeaways from this story is because Peter was willing to face his fears, his friends and fellow disciples recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. Is the world looking at us as we go through the storms? Are they going to have the opportunity to see that Jesus is the Son of God because of our response. I really believe that we're going to have to be people who don't play it safe. We're going to have to be like Peter. We're going to have to have bravery. We're going to have to have the Spirit of God in us. We're going to have to listen when that little four-letter word, C-O-M-E, says, Come. Jesus is giving us that invitation, Come. Come to me. Come draw close to me. I will be your strength in the midst of the storm.
because Peter was willing to go to Jesus, it gave his other fellow disciples courage. It gave them the ability to see that Jesus was the Son of God. But there's more to this story. Peter had a lot more storms to face, but God was, God was able to use him in some mighty, mighty ways. God entru- he was entrusted with the privilege of preaching at Pentecost when the Christian church began. 3,000 souls were saved as a result of Peter preaching the gospel. But there's also something else that I think we, we need to notice about Peter. He did not draw any glory to himself. Here again, probably not quite like me. One of the things, one of the things that is not disputed at all in the early church is Mark. The Gospel of Mark was written, and it actually Mark gives an account of this particular event. Mark was not a disciple. But early church history says Mark was a disciple of Peter. It's very, it's, it's understood and, 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 ex, and accepted that Peter dictated the gospel of Mark to, to Mark. I'd like you to listen to this story as written by Mark. Straightway, this is verse 40, starting at verse 45 of chapter 6. Straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before into Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. When even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. I, I just think if I would have been Peter dictating this story, I would have had to, I would have had to write a little bit of something that gives me some credit. I mean, all the other disciples recognized that Jesus was the Son of God because of me. Peter did nothing of the sort. I, I, I'm just, this is, this is a fascinating story. It says, He went up into them into the ship, the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Peter took absolutely no credit to himself. That's, you know, when we have our minds and our hearts in tune with the Father, we don't care who gets the credit. The storms are, the, the storms are around us, and we just need to be faithful. This is, this, is, this is the purpose of this story. Peter says they were amazed beyond me- measure. Peter wanted the glory to go right where it belonged. Listen to this, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Listen to this. That the trial of your faith, 
being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory unto the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though ye now see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You want to talk about a Valentine story. Peter loved his Lord and Master. No question. He, he had love in ways that we can hope to emulate. Our Lord wants to walk with us through the storms. And it doesn't, you know, we, we had some prayer requests it's, this morning for cancer. We, you know, this world is touched by sin, and we're going to experience trouble. We have an amazing Savior, and His word to us is still come. C-O-M-E, come. Let's get next to Him. Let's get close to His arms and walk right beside him through the storm. I like to close with a little reading, um, anonymous, so I don't know who to give the credit to, but I really like it. If you never felt pain, then how would you know that I'm a healer? If you never went through difficulties, how would you know that I'm a deliverer? If you never had a trial, how could you call yourself an overcomer? If you never felt sadness, how would you know that I'm a comforter? If you never made a mistake, how would you know that I'm forgiving? If you knew all, how would you know that I will answer your questions? If you never were in trouble, how would you know that I will come to your rescue? If you never were broken, how would you know that I can make you whole? If you never had a problem, how would you know that I can solve them? If you never had any suffering, how would you know what Jesus went through? If you never went through the fire then how would you become pure? If I gave you all things, how would you appreciate them? If I never corrected you, how would you know that I love you? If you had all power, then how would you learn to depend on me? If your life was perfect, then what would you need me for? God bless you and God bless his word.